Welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. It's good to hear the little ones, isn't it? Well, it's really fun to be a grandfather. Thank you, Jesus. You ready for the Word of God? I am too. I am too. I love God's Word. I know that you do too. The Word of God is medicine to our flesh, health to our navel, and marrow to our bones. It's the bread of life. It's the Word of life. And it's living and powerful. And let's believe God together. Will you agree with me? Thank you, Jesus. We honor you. We worship you out of our hearts, with our mouths, with our words, with our thoughts and our actions today, with our tithes and our offerings. And now, Lord, will you, will you respond with a personal word? Will you speak from heaven? We thank you that heaven is open by the blood of Jesus, even the table of the Lord that has a place for us. We're in your presence. We've been invited to taste and see that you are good and how blessed is the person that trusts in you. Will you bless us this morning and leave an imprint, an indelible mark on our heart in such a way that... This will be one of the times we can look back and say, that was a changing moment. That was a space that I had with the Lord where I moved forward and grew in God's grace and mercy. I thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, I just entrust all of these lives to you, mine included. Everything that my life represents, I just surrender it to you as best as I know how, and I know that you make all things good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> We've been spending some time together in the epistle of John. I've really been enjoying my time with you and my time with the Lord. And I want to pick up in that same study with you here this morning, and I want to move from last week's story in Luke chapter 1 where two people, is that that? Fans blowing? Okay. We got the heat on. I mean, like it's really on. Is anyone? I'm going to have to take this off. Like right here, it's really, really warm. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, the uh, goal of last week's message was to help you understand that your words are important to your life and your life direction. And it's important for you to use your words to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, a foundation of the Word of God that will never fail, it won't falter, it won't change. And we use the story in Luke chapter 1 to point out uh, two individuals that had an encounter with the Lord. The one was the aged Zacharias with his wife Elizabeth, who were barren, I don't know how old they were, 60, 70, probably not 80, but they were definitely past uh, childbearing age, and the Lord was going to do, the Lord was going to do, just work with me here for a second, the Lord was going to do something new. Will you say something new? He was going to do something new. And in order to accomplish that, God would send a messenger, not, not a human being, this was an, a celestial, one of the 
top three ranking angels, if I could just say that and move on. It's a great study in theology. You study angelology, pneumatology, soterology, and all those things that describe the different elements of God's working in the earth or in the heavens. And Gabriel was dispatched to communicate to Zechariah that his prayers were heard. Imagine someone praying prayers for I don't know how, how long, but uh, the assumption from the angel was you've been praying and you want your prayers to go to God and you want God to say yes, and here it is. Finally, here comes the answer, and he's resisting the answer. Now, there was a disconnect there, and uh, that's what the angel Gabriel was referring to. And uh, instead of declaring as Mary did, on in the first chapter, the angel Gabriel was sent to Mary six months later and announced to her that God was going to do, same, same two words, say something new, something new. And the angel told her that you're going to conceive and have a child. How, do I, how will I do that? I've never known a man. And he said, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and enter to, into you, and you'll conceive that holy child, which is to be named Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. Mary was mulling it over, and in the processing period, she said yes. And that's important. That's, that's where I want to be in the things that God is doing in my life. And if I'm in a time of processing, I thank God and I invite him every day and multiple times in, in a day. God, will you come and help me send someone, if it's the angel, if it's a bird, if, a, you know, if the rustling of the mulberry trees, whatever it takes for me to get where I need to be, I'm okay with that. And Zachariah should have said that and it took him nine, ten I don't know, maybe 11 months to arrive at that place, and God did it. So the verse 37 of Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, let's go to the next slide. This was Mary's words. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. For with God, the angel said, nothing shall be impossible. It wasn't so with the Lucan account of uh, Zechariah. He didn't believe, and, and Gabriel had to respond and, and in a retort say, there's a correction coming, and that correction is I'm going to seal your lips so you can't say anything to further dis, dismantle the plan of God from being accomplished. And that's important. Now, there's something about a new thing, and I want to share some good news with you this morning as we're approaching the communion table. The scripture says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is an important chapter to understand the inner workings of salvation. And that's important as a person continues to grow in, in God's grace and understand his word. But this perhaps is the subject or the title of that chapter. And Paul moves through his discussion and defining salvation to get to this point Therefore, so in other words, this is built on the previous verses of the chapter, which describe God entering into human affairs and inviting people, nudging their hearts, allowing conviction to work people to God. I say, God, I need your help. And this is the conclusion of that. Therefore, could you read it with me or quote it if you know it? If you've been in a good Sunday school program, you should know this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 
And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Now the first sentence is what I wanted to clue uh, or, or key in on this morning, but the, the supporting paragraph is huge. What, when I tell you and I invite you to begin declaring with your words that all things have become new, uh, that's a powerful message. And it, it's so powerful, it's, it's a pregnant thought. In it is seeded someone else's future. And Paul goes right into that here in the gracious uh, gift of salvation. God not only gave you a gift that secures your eternal life and destiny, but inside of you is enough for the whole human race to be secured of eternal life and having assurance of never perishing in, in the torment of hell. And so Paul is letting me know, he's letting you know that it's good for you to know that I'm safe, I got my, my financial plan is figured, I'm going to retire, and I got it all, all worked out. That's all well and good spiritually, but also know this, that what's working in you is supposed to work through you. That's why we are committed to the word of reconciliation. That's why uh, we need to know that it wasn't uh, Jesus navigating through Pilate's uh, thinking or trying to keep Peter and James and John, uh, you know, in his best friends forever. I, I guess Facebook is outdated, you know, BFF. I, good thing, because I never did, get, never did get it handled, but it's already come and gone. That fad's over, I guess. But Jesus wasn't doing that. This is what was happening. God, look at verse 19. You must know this. The King James used the word wit. That's getting to the old wits, which represents your quickness in, in, in intellectual prowess, or to, to think and say. Paul wants us to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Now, that's a very powerful statement. That means that it wasn't a Jewish guy that, you know, I, I want to be right up there with one of the best prophets. And, you know, today, modern Islam, they'll, they'll allow a Jesus of Nazareth to be born, lived, and died, but they won't make him God. They won't make him the eternal God. And there's a disconnect, not with Tim, there's a disconnect with who God said he is there. And God loves them and wants to reconcile them because God himself was in Christ the man performing the work of redemption. It wasn't done by man so that it could not be accountable to man. It was done by God, through God, for God, and then as a gift from God, it was given to humanity. And in that gift, the first thing you see when it says uh, on this, just imagine this pulpit here. I want to talk about new things today. I want to talk about what God said in this scripture. If any man be in Christ, say, if I am in Christ, then Christ is in me. And 
I need to behold, work with me, I need to behold that some things have been made new. Don't say that, because I just missed the scripture. Someone's getting it. All things have become new. Paul was such a proponent of this eternal truth. He launched out of the present moment, or the, especially the past. I think Clark was talking about it yesterday out there at the farm as he was ministering. One of the reasons why Paul had such a, a declaring love was because he had such a glaring past. And Jesus himself said, you know, people kind of, Jesus was born in a pastor's home, raised in a pastor's kid, you know, barely, barely had any failures on the test. And so, you know, it's arguable that that person doesn't love as much as the guy that was the axe murderer that is now an apostle. And he realizes God's not holding the axe thing against him anymore. How does that work? It doesn't work at a human level. It works at a divine level. And so he had something to say. And I have something to say. In fact, it goes beyond words. It goes to declaring all things have become new. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, therefore, uh, the conclusion of Romans 8, for for whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he glorified, and whom he glorified, he sent. And we know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, things past, things present, or things to come. That God was there. So follow me here. Now we're getting, we're getting kind of teachy, teachy more than preachy here. If all things are made new, then my past is taken care of. My present is being renewed or made new, but so is where I'm going. That's important to know. I I could say it this way. Wherever you're headed, no matter who you are and what you've done, uh, maybe a person watching out there, I think I'm in a gathering here of believers. I know most of you growing and living in serving the Lord alongside of you, but maybe someone doesn't believe and you're going the wrong way. And like Jonah, you know you're going the wrong way, but you're just going to do it for a while. I have, I have good news. God is already where you're going, even though it's the wrong way. He's already there because he's everywhere all the time. And that's important. So let's look at this in the way that we were last week. What we want to do is just go through this real quick. God is eternal, and the message that we're preaching is eternal. God was in Christ uh, in in joining or reconciling the world unto himself. That means he was taking care of the sin debt. You hear this first, then you see it with a glimpse. And then, like the people down in the Bible class this morning, next slide, please, they take their uh, time and they say, I want to look at this. I want to be able to understand it so that I can articulate the truths of what God is doing that I, I can't quite explain yet. That's a good thing. It's good to study God's Word. Uh, and then you touch the Lord by enjoying His mercy, and then it's important to get to the place where you're declaring it to others. Now, will you go on to number seven for me, Nick? I want to let you know that it has always been in God's heart to do something new. Um, you ever see someone some, sometimes after 
couple of days or a couple of weeks. It's a very common thing in America. I don't want to get all, I don't know that many languages. What the couple of words I do know I try to use, I don't know how to say what's new outside of uh, English. So if you're here and you know Hebrew or I was with some folks, I guess they were speaking Dutch the other day. I didn't recognize what they were saying. But you ever go up and say, hey, what's new? That's a kind of a cool thing. What's new? And then you're going to hear probably what's top on their list or, oh, not the same old, same old. But more often than not, someone, someone's going to have some, ask Clark and Linda, what's new? <laughs> you better have some time. Well, you want to talk about my barn roof? You want to talk about the house? You want to talk about, you know, uh, there's all kinds of new stuff going on. And it, it keeps you going. It's exciting. And, and thank God that, the, you know, the old has passed away. Ask, ask President Trump. He'll, he'll tell you the economy's robust and booming and it's huge. <laughs> That's new. You know, there was a time when maybe it wasn't so good. Or, you know, ask Stu and Kiri. She'll maybe put her hand on her toe. Well, what's new? My birthday's tomorrow, and my, I, my nursery's growing. I got a new baby coming, and that's all good. Ask, ask them up there on Schwabenon, where Highway 141 and Highway 41 meet in that in a world epicenter called Green Bay. Ask them what's new. Coach is new. What happened to, what happened to Clay, and what happened to, uh, what was it, Cobb, and all of those guys, and what's new? So I think you get the point. Well, if you would ask God what's new, I think that he would say right off the top, the first thing, my mercy, Tim, is new every morning. <laughs> my mercy is new every morning. My faithfulness is great. Isaiah, the uh, administrative prophet, said, said this in chapter 43. I love this. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old, for behold... I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth, and shall you not know it? What's, what's he saying? He's saying that new things are part of God's plan for his creation. There are many, many new things in the scriptures. And I want to point out a couple. In fact, I want to introduce two that I'll uh, probably soak in October with, and the purpose of this, coming out of the uh, overflow of Mary, that was going to do a virgin birth. You know, has that ever been done? No. Has it ever been done since? No. It was reserved for one person. It was a new thing. Zechariah had a child at an old age. That was a new thing. And we've already looked at and kind of examined that one, one had a difficult time accepting it. And they were both troubled. But one moved through the trouble easier than another. And when something new comes to my life from the Lord, I want to be able to say, Lord, I've already pre-registered in the I surrender line. Are you in the I surrender line? Or in, are you in the I got this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle this. I'm just not where you are, I'm not ready. Have you, many of you are soul winners. You've had those kind of discussions. I'm in the process of several of those and I'm being patient, but I'm also interceding every, every morning and as often as I think uh, of the person. I say, okay, Lord, whatever it takes, send, send Gabriel, send, send your messengers, make my words like oil and fragrance them with your beauty so that the word of the Lord can break through and those people can see you like you want to be seen. Oh, I felt the Lord in that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Just... 
This morning in the third watch, I was awakened and a person's visage came through my spirit. I began to pray and intercede right on my pillow, thanking the Lord for what, what he had done there through my interaction with this business person. They don't live in this city. And how God has uh, allowed me to be a blessing and to help them and how they were always you know, very, very thankful. Then this morning, I've forgotten about it. W- went to, back to sleep, woke up early this morning, and turned on my, to get this already, I turned on my email and I got a message from that person. It was a disconcerting message. And I thought, hmm. And the Lord said, declare what you were praying. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved. Don't even say it. Because Isaiah, the same prophet, God said, I create the fruit of the lips. So if Tim says, I thank you for that businessman, I thank you for that eternal seed, I thank you for the partnership, I thank you for his children, his children's children serving you, thank you that old things are passed away, does God have something to work with? Now, if I would start complaining and reading out loud the news, does the enemy have something to work with? If you tell your wife you love her and, and uh, forget about the burnt toast, the burnt coffee, let's just go out to eat and you can have your best thing, do you think, you think that's going to create a good thing? If you tell her, if you burn these eggs one more time, I'll tell you what, you know, do you think that's going to be a bad thing? See, God allows the power of creativity to move through the spoken word. Why? Because the spoken word comes out of the realm of the unspoken. God already was complete in his created order. It, 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 can you envision right now, just let's, just let's just say something new. I was talking about some, some people that I know are new stuff. Think about what you would like new. Maybe it's a new truck, a new car, a new house, new, just new. Maybe it's a new organ. Someone Someone in, in, related to us just received a heart transplant this week. My God, will you make that work, Lord, in Jesus' name? These huge medical advancements. How about a new cure for cancer? It's just eradicated like polio. Just envision something new. That's a good thing. God wants us to expect new things. Let me give you a couple of ideas of some new things. In Joshua chapter 3, the Lord said to Joshua, Moses is dead, and now you're the guy. You've trained, you've followed him closely. In fact, you even got ahead of him a few times. You were there, you were there, you were there. Now it's your turn. And then in Joshua chapter 3, God says, I'm bringing you up to the bank of the Jordan River, and I'm going to do some new things. And oh, by the way, things that you've never seen before. I just want you to know that. So God was getting... Joshua ready. God was getting Mary ready. God was getting Zechariah ready. These new things, more often than not, trouble us. Because unless it's something new that you picked out, you might not be ready for it. I remember, oh gosh, here I am in pastor's month again. There's so many people pastoring around here. Let's spread all the blessing around because uh, this, is, this, is, this is not about me. But I remember when the new thing was coming and I couldn't I remember Nathan come walking up with Clarky. There's a, with flippers coming down the road. I thought, what in the world is happening in our church today? And I realized a new thing was coming. They, they, y'all decided that I was going to go on a cruise for Pastor's Month. 
what you didn't know that I've already been on a cruise one time, and I thought, this is the first and last cruise I'll ever be on. And I was out there playing. It was a ministry cruise. I was there ministering, and all the people were laughing and drunk, and one gal even knocked on my door and said, hey, can you come on over to you know, the, the, the thing with me? And I'm thinking, well, I think I saw her in the prayer meeting. Maybe, maybe not. There was all, hundreds of people on the boat, and the other minister I was with, he said, I would not go with her if I were you. A lot of stuff. I mean, all day long and night long, doors are clicking and slamming. And I'm just realized those love boat things, that's real. You know, so I, I didn't need to be on that. That was a new thing that I said, Don, will you please don't quit the church? Can we reallocate the money? I, anyway, so here's the thing. God knows what you need that's new. And when he submits something to you, don't be, tr- if you're troubled, I don't want to say don't be troubled. Don't fear is the better word. Trouble is a human thing. And God says over and over and over and over again, I quote it, every day, every day, every day, I'll be with you in trouble. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I've been there. I am there. I'll go there. But he's with me there. But he does say, don't fear. If I'm there in trouble, I'll help you get out. So a couple of things. I'll develop the Joshua, and I don't have time to do that here this morning. But I love how God says, I do new things in the earth. And that's important. John chapter 3 and verse 3 in association with 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And also with this, behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth and you'll know it. Look at the next slide once. Let me see if I'm tracking here. Yeah. Jesus was going to say something new to a stodgy old teacher. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe he was a great guy. But it took him a while. He was kind of playing mental gymnastics with Jesus. Some of you are playing mental gymnastics with Jesus. He already said it, he wrote it, you can read it, but you're not saying yes to it yet. And I don't even need to define it. So let's look. Jesus answered to Nicodemus and said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is not reading the Bible, the kingdom of God is not seeing Billy Graham. The kingdom of God is having the eternal seed of Jesus Christ inside of you rooted. And then starting to grow. Okay, that's what Jesus was talking about. And Nicodemus said, well, how can, how can this be? Can a man be born when he's old? Does he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he's tracking on the intellectual, physiological level. Jesus isn't talking about that. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water. Uh, most Bible scholars agree, and I would agree with him. That the water birth is a reference to the natural birth coming out of the amniotic waters inside the mother's womb. That's every human being's entrance into the earth. The water breaks and here comes a new life. So you must be born of water and of the Spirit. Otherwise you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it, where it does, and you hear the sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said, well, how can these things be? So there's, there's a, an element, or there is, it is absolutely okay to be troubled when God's doing something new in your life. And if some of you are close to me, you can catch me when I'm agitated, frustrated, maybe short-tempered or impatient. As I'm troubled about something, and I'm not sure how it's going to work out yet, and I don't 
know how, but I know who. I love how Stephen Furtick says that. God, is that our anointing coming out of uh, that part of North Carolina. It's one of the seats of the kingdom in the realm of earth. There are many of them. I believe the Midwest. I believe I'm part of that. I gave my life to Jesus at age 17, and I want you to know when you give your life unreservedly and say, I surrender, God takes that life. Thank you for enlisting. Oh, by the way, I helped you, Tim. <laughs> He's still helping me. But he will use your life. What you give to God, he will take. What he takes, he will cleanse. What he cleanses, he will fill. What he fills, he will pour out. And then what's poured out and emptied, he'll start the process over and refill you. So he'll do a new thing. Now, Nicodemus was doing it in his head. He needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you know somebody. Maybe this is your season to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know about that. Welcome to a new thing. Yeah, but I'm afraid. So is Mary. But she said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. God, you can fill me to overflowing, especially if it's good stuff from heaven. What Jesus already said in Luke 11, if you ask the Father, the Holy Spirit, he's not, it's like, like little Judah asking, bumpa, bumpa. He loves to cut my eggs. I like hard-boiled eggs. It's a good source of protein, so you're not eating all that animal fat, but I won't go there because I'd get in trouble. For some, it's a new thing. For me, it's a good thing. So Judah cuts the eggs. And, and so as a father would give, a son asks for an egg, God said, you're not going to give him a scorpion. You're not gonna, I'm going to play a little joke on little Judah and see if he'll get stung, see if he knows where the stinger is. Well, that's asinine. That's what some people ascribe to God when he says, I want to fill you with my spirit. Oh, it's not the Holy Spirit doesn't go into the brain. He influences the brain from the, from the spirit, the heart, or the kidneys, it's God uses these internal organs that make life work to get you to understand how important his intervention in your life is. Without the Holy Spirit, it's a Nicodemus doing Bible studies. But he's not getting answers to prayer. Oh, you can sell pizzas and you can raise funds and go on mission trips. Everyone loves to travel until you run out of money. You know? But that's what he's saying. You need to be born of the water and born of the Spirit, or you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. So that was a new thing for me. If you're contemplating that and troubled about it, I encourage you to just say yes to Jesus. Just say yes to Jesus. Here's a couple of new things that God is doing, and I'll get to the greatest new thing before we... Oh, my bullet points didn't transfer into my apple. I love my new apple. I haven't, I've just barely taken a nibble out of it. I'm going I'm to consume it and learn it. Thank you, David, for helping me. Thank you, Bill and Kathy and Emily and Curie and Wendy for helping me learn these new things, Stu and Mitch. Let's go to the next one. Let me just uh, encourage your heart with a couple of things. God does things new. He loves doing new things. There's a... Funny thing about Apple. Up is down and down is up. But that's okay, I'll learn it. I don't mind learning new things. Thank you for your patience. There's there's a, a new heart. Next next slide, please, that'd be good. There's a new way of progressing. That's Joshua 3. I'll save that. Uh, there's a new heart. L listen to what the Lord says. I, I want to read this. And uh, Je Jeremiah chapter 32. 
This was a scripture that was famous or memorized by my mother. You couldn't hardly ever be in her home or get much time with her without her quoting this. Uh, Behold, I will gather out of all the countries my people where I've driven them in my anger and in my fury and in my great wrath, and I will bring them again into this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they, verse 38, this was what mom always quoted. She loved it, I love it, and I just pray that it fill you and move through you. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart and one way, Jeremiah 32, verse 38, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will not turn away from them to do, to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts, and they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. So God gives a new heart. He gives a new spirit. Nicodemus realized that uh, Jesus was talking about an entirely new birth, and he wasn't aware of it. To be born again is to have a new heart. To be born again is to have a new spirit. John chapter 2, Jesus described a new wine which was better than the old wine. There's a, a new thing that God wants to do. There's new thoughts. There's a new way of thinking. I'm thinking of uh, Philippians chapter 4, 7, and 8. Finally, my brethren, Paul writing, finally, my brethren, think on these things. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, if there uh, be any uh, goodness, if there be any kindness, think on these things and the God of peace will be with you. There's new ways to think. There's new ways to pray. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there'll be times where, like last night, I was just seeing that person's face. I thought, oh, haven't thought of them for a while. It's uh, 3 a.m. I just said a few words, then I just began to pray in the Spirit. Dress this person in righteousness and blessing and goodness and, and strength and blessing. And then this morning, I got a communication from them. It was amazing. So God, God was teaching are using that new form of prayer. There's a new land. There's so many things that are new in the Scriptures. And it's important for us to enjoin that into our life by being willing. Now, when God's getting ready to do something in the earth, I love this Scripture in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. I've already pointed out that God sent the angel Gabriel to make it an announcement. And I feel like, now I'm not the angel Gabriel, I'm not even an angel, I'm just real, you know. I had a runny nose uh, the last couple of days, and so that takes me out of the angel category. <laughs> but I do have an announcement to make. That I want you to behold that God makes all things new. If you're in something that is old, if you're in something that is difficult, and there's trouble around it, I want to just release the declaration that God makes all things new. When God was going to do that, he would send a messenger, and then in Samuel, God said this, First Samuel and Amos 3 kind of go together. They're both prophets. Samuel was also a priest and a judge, and he brought us David and instilled him in the place where David would flourish in his calling as a king and a shepherd and a warrior. But David said, God forbid that you, uh, my father would do nothing, either small or great, but he will show it unto me, and why should my father... Father, hide this thing from me. Is it not so? So Samuel's recording that. And then in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, this is a clincher. Here's what I want to inform you. When God's getting ready to do something in your life, he's going to let you know, but he's also let someone else know. 
And it says this in Amos 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God, it says, the Lord Elohim will do nothing, but He revealed His secret unto His servants, the prophets. So here's how I would say it. When God is planning a move, He communicates with His watchers, His listeners, His climbers, His divers, His seers. That group of people that sit at that table and like Corey last week, the EMT said, you know, I don't want to miss anything in this class. I need to spread out my stuff. I need, to, I need to make sure this logs into my spirit man so my intellect can process it and I can make it part of my life. And when God's getting ready to do something new, he sends graciously messengers. Now, Israel in its history would stone them, persecute them, disbelieve them, and run them out of town until they would get the message. And then they find out that God was going to do it anyway. So that's a, it's something that I wanted to share. And in conclusion, in preparation for the communion table, I'd like to be quoting uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, but I'll let the quote come from the writer of Hebrews because this is altogether new, and it ties back in with the opening scripture that when someone is in Christ, let's say it again, if I am born again, if I'm born again, I'm in Christ. Uh, this is elementary, but it's elementarily profound. If I'm in Christ because I'm born again, then Christ is in me because I'm born again. And all things in my life have become new. That's what God says. And what is altogether new for one who is new now, this isn't a play on words. I believe the Holy Spirit downloaded this to me. What is altogether new for one who is new to the family of God or to the work of God that you're about to in encounter is the gracious fact that God forgives and forgets our sins. Because at every level of, of growth and development, something else pops up. You know, you get to be the President of the United States, the most important man or woman in the whole world, and everyone's going to do what you say, right? Wrong whole new set of challenges. I'm born again. My sins are gone. Wow, just everyone's, my wife's going to come back. I'm gonna, everyone's going to love me. I'm going to get a raise. Wrong. And so what we, want to, what we want to declare, what we want to understand to the point where this transcends and it's higher information is that it's found here in Hebrews chapter 8. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum that we have a high priest, the writer of Hebrews is describing the Old Testament Jew moving through their different seasons, going through their, their Moses time and their David time and all of that. And now they're in the New Testament time. Jesus had come and lived, done miracles and died and rose from the dead. And now he's presenting, the writer of Hebrews is presenting to the Jews, this Jewish Jesus is the God who created everything. So he's using their... their uh, handles or their trademarks. He's using their logos, if you will, to get a hold of their thinking. And he said, I want to tell you about this high priest that we have, who is set at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a true minister of the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it's necessary that the man have something to offer. The priest would come and offer something in the form of the blood of a bull, a goat, a ram, or a lamb. But now Jesus obtained a more excellent ministry. How much 
more is he the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if the first covenant, the old covenant of Moses, was faultless, then there would not have been need for another covenant. For God found fault with him, that covenant, because man couldn't keep it. And it says, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make. So here's the new covenant. And this had to be announced. It had to be, uh, it had to be demonstrated. It had to be believed. Now it's our turn to announce it and to believe it. And this is some of the most powerful words in the Scriptures. In fact, I love how Joseph Prince gets it when he, you know, I don't want to be him, but I share the same excitement. This is the covenant that I will make with Israel in those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they'll be to me a people, and they shall not have to teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now that's what, what God says. And could you go down? To, I think I got that. Keep going until we find that. Where am I going next on the slides? Okay, there's the new heart. We'll save that. I think I said it. Go ahead. Did I? Born again. Okay. Well, that's where I left it. I read it. But this is what I want to bring to the communion table here this morning. God's getting ready to do a new thing in your life. It's already begun because he loves you as a father, and as much as I love little Judah or Ariella at our supper table when we get to have them over, that's so fun. And when they leave, you know, it's my turn. I'll clean the floor, and that's okay. But I don't want to spend the next 20 years in that moment, even though when they were, my kids were little, I remember squashing them, don't you ever grow another inch? Well, I'm glad they did. And so that new growth is a new thing for you. God's already there. He sees a generous, strong, worthy warrior bride. She's just... Not in arrogance. Not in arrogance. In worthiness. He's not coming to me. I just don't know that. Who wants to sleep with that? Come on, we're talking about intimate growth and maturity and repopulating the kingdom. Confidence in God. Confidence in the new thing that he's getting. Some of, some of you, he's doing a natural new thing. Like you just, oh, I don't know if I need to order the double whammy Gilbert Brown three patty special times four today. I wouldn't either. Will you stand to your feet and say, God, I'm ready? Not the next thing. Not the next thing that's coming out of Hollywood, coming out of God TV. I'm ready for the new thing that you have for my life. A new level of consecration. And I, I want to make this communion table. Ushers, will you come and help me? Will you come, come and help me distribute these elements? I want to read this in Hebrews chapter 10. Because that's not the only time that the scripture says that this uh, Jesus took away every remembrance. 
It says, this is in Hebrews chapter 10, for redundance, go ahead, ushers, just minister to the people. We'll have the Lord's table. As they, as they serve, Father, will you bless these elements? Will you bless even the passing out? It'll just put your love for God anointing on all of these. This is a, this is a new covenant meal that we share today. We're worthy of God's very best. And Jesus said, this is the covenant through his writer of Hebrews. Chapter 10 says the same thing that chapter 8 says, almost, but adds to it. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God said, I am not even remembering what's troubling you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to move forward, to surrender your life. And then he concludes that sentence with what I have on the screen. Having therefore boldness, brethren, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to him with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I say, along with John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God. I say with Amos the prophet, God is speaking something to you. He's getting a message to you that uh, we're in a new season of education. Summer's over. This is harvest season. And he's, he's downloading his plan, his plan of deliverance, his plan of health and wellness, his plan of success and prosperity. It's not in the shifty ways of our, our intellect or our past. It's brand new. And God is in every bit of it through Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that we can have boldness wherever we're at. For those that aren't, aren't sure about their walk with God, I just invite you to say, Jesus, I'm ready to step toward you. I'm ready to reach out and take a hold of your hand. And I believe, I believe, would you go to those declarations on that slide team? I think it's down two or one. So add a few declarations to this over the communion. Thank you, Lord. Let's say it again and use our words to do what God said words are, are purposed for. I believe in Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. Will you say it with me? I believe in Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ has paid for my sin debt once for all. I believe that I am in Christ and Christ is in me by his indwelling Holy Spirit. I believe that old things are passed away and all things have become new in Jesus' name. I believe that I am an important part of the new thing that God is doing in the earth right now in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, will you take these confessions that have come out of the hearts, mouths, and minds and spirits of your people, and will you create that very thing in Jesus' name? We hold up these elements, the bread and the wine representing the body and the blood of Jesus, and we say... Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I ask that you would release healing and the virtue that is the manifest tangent presence. It's tangible. It's here of Jesus 
right now. And for all those watching through media, Lord, we thank you for these means. Will you take the bread? If you're at home, will you just get a cracker or a piece of bread and break it? That's Jesus' body. God was in that body. And God surrendered that body to the pains of harm, violence, and even death. So that we could be released from harm, violence, and even death. In Jesus' name, we remember you today, Lord. Let's partake of the bread. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, as we partake of the cup, we remember that your blood was shed freely. You covenanted with yourself, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, saying this is what we must do to purchase, to buy back what we created and was stolen away through the free will, the awe-inspiring, powerful, ever-available free will of man that we put in them. They were beguiled or they chose to use it in the wrong way, and we buy them back with our own, with our own procurance, with our own blood, with our own life plan. We hold this in Jesus' name, and we speak the declaration that we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, and this blood was shed for us once for all. We thank you, and Lord, I just release healing. I thank you for the visitation of angels and signs and wonders. I thank you for breakthroughs and prayer. I thank you for families being restored, for businesses uh, overflowing with good opportunities for uh, success and employ, employment and, and gainful uh, increase in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I speak this over Cal and Christine. Thank you, God. I just send a healing over there in Jesus' name, over the Reichardt's clan, over Van and, and Chris and Lexi in Jesus' name, over their forthcoming travel to Africa. God, fill them up to overflowing. Meet every need for those that are going to be vacating the tent communities around the nation in, in Milwaukee and Marquette University area. I open up housing. I thank you for the eight beds that we have, Lord. I speak increased provision and procurement so that all are taken care of. In Jesus' name, we speak the things that God said to speak. Thank you that we are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. That people are seeing our good works, people fed, people housed, people's lives being put back together and say, there must be a God. I need to learn more about him. Thank you, God, because of the blood of Jesus. Let's partake as they sing, come to the altar. Thanks for listening to a recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Please visit eaglesnestchurch.net for more information.